Hello, friends and dreamers. Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. I love all of you. I love all humans. And I'm excited that a lot of people really wanted this episode. I asked on my Instagram stories who'd be interested in hearing about me talking about my meditation and mindset practices. And a ton of people said, yes, I want in. So I assume there's a lot of new listeners to the podcast uh, for this episode as well. So welcome. Um, Yeah, the point of this podcast, again, really was that when I came to the end of my schooling, I always loved to learn, but I realized that I was learning the wrong things. I didn't learn how to actually make my dreams a reality, how to actually find happiness, purpose, fulfillment, make life fun, and create the things that I want out of life. And so Dreamology was created as a new field of study, a new field of practice saying, all right, if I can study history and calculus, I can also study how to be successful and happy and all these other things that we want out of life. And so that's why we're here I have to give you an update, though. This will be the second to last episode I do in 2020. Season one is coming to an end. As a lot of you know, I am on tour with Charlie Rocket, and I really want to be able to focus on that. And it's just a lot to handle right now to do the podcast and be touring around the U.S. So I decided that I want to just really focus on giving with Charlie and really helping people. And I'm going to end season one. But we will be back in 2021, bigger and better than ever. I'm going to create a kind of end of season one review that will talk about what my plans are uh, for the future of this show. But for now, this episode, Mindset, Mindfulness, Meditation 101, put your learning cap on and here's I'm going to break it down. First, I'm going to say, why did I get into all this? Why did I get into meditation and all this? Two, um, I'm going to break down the types that I've tried and what the benefits are. Again, it's kind of like working out. There's a lot of different types of ways to work out. You can do yoga, you can run, you can play sports, you can lift, you can do hit classes and bar classes, and everybody does those for different reasons. And so I don't want to just give you one because I want you to figure out what you're most interested in. And so I talk about different practices and why people do those. So you can kind of look into your own life and say, huh, I wonder which one I would like the best uh, for me and whatever situation that you're in. And then finally, I talk about what I'm doing right now. What is my routine right now after I've tried all these different things? Um, what am I going to do um, going forward? And what am I doing right now? And how do I generally at- approach these things so I can have the best day possible and quote unquote, live my best life. So We'll make it quick, we'll make it impactful, we'll make it powerful, we'll get you on your day moving and grooving with a new tool um, to use uh, to make your dreams a reality. So I'm super stoked. So why did I get into meditation? Well, honestly, I had learned about it in college, my freshman, sophomore year, kind of read a book about it. It seemed convincing, but I didn't have a compelling enough a reason to really try it, I guess. It never or I guess I tried it, but not a compelling enough reason to really stick with it, right? To really say this is worth the outcome. Well, then um, after I studied abroad in Asia, learned a lot about Buddhism and mindfulness and how they're so spiritually connected to the world, I became very intrigued 
with this, you know, meditation and enlightenment. And actually the first book that I read is on my shelf right here. It's called Why Buddhism is True, but it wasn't about the religion of Buddhism. It was about the philosophies and it was called The Science of Modern Day Enlightenment. And we talked about meditation and all these things. And I was still, you know, interested, but I didn't fully adopt the practice. And what really did it for me was actually going through pain. <laughs> And I actually started to then, the next year, uh, struggle with mental health, anxiety, physical effects of anxiety, and all these things. It became the greatest tool for calming my mind. And then beyond that, uh, for developing my mind, cultivating and really creating uh, the mindset that I wanted to attack life with. So it started out of really a desire to figure out a solution to... Uh, mental health and the issues that I was going through and you know there was a lot of nights where again I didn't really experience this I didn't at all in my life before but just the physical tightness in the chest and the stomach and and if you've gone through this you know what I'm talking about if you haven't then you don't but you know it really was just it was tough you know there'd be nights where I would go to bed and, and kind of tears and really just I didn't know exactly how to figure it out, but I kept trying and, and meditation was the biggest gift into my life and now has really taught me everything I know about self-love and mindset and being connected to the world and how to manage stress and how to be grateful and all these things that we want, how to create the energy we want for a day. I mean, now it's giving me, literally, it's like a supercomputer, uh, your brain, supercomputer, and you can program it and you can teach it and you can train it and you can become friends with it. And and once you do that, I mean, you have limitless potential for who you can be, how you can think, how happy you can be and what you can do in this world. And so that's why I got into it. And I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that I've done and tried and kind of the benefits and we'll just jump into that. So the first one, the benefit is mind control being able to control your mind and actually so there's basically a study done there's a part of our brain called the default mode network and it's basically this part of our brain if it's being activated we're living in the past or the future because we're trying to grab something to to hold on to so if our mind is not in control we're not in the present moment. Our brain starts to wander and it starts to try to figure out, all right, what else, what's important? Like it's just kind of searching. It's in, it's like in your computer when the little loading bar is up. That's kind of what our brain is doing. And uh, studies done by the leading professors at Yale, um, Dr. Laurie Santos, have shown that one of the eight core pieces of happiness is to be able to control your mind. And beyond that, more research done by the lead neuroscientist in the world, Richard Davidson. He said one of the four components of our brains that lead to lasting happiness and joy is the ability to control your mind. And so what they did is they studied, they hooked up uh, these brain scanners, these uh, neural association brain scanners to uh, meditators. And they realized that in people who are extremely experienced meditators, this default mode network was very quiet, meaning it wasn't activated. They weren't living in the past or the future, which means they were living in the present, which means they had the ability to control their mind 
to stay in the present moment. And so what they realized is that mind control does correlate with happiness, with long-term well-being, both in a sense of happiness and your brain's health. And so it's a cornerstone of our existence, being able to control your mind. So we always all, you know, we always thought that, but now we have science to back it up. And so how do you learn to control your mind? Well, it's like getting reps. It's like you're shooting a basketball in a gym or you're doing jumping jacks. Anything it is, you got to do reps over and over again to be able to do this. And so it's actually quite simple. The reason why people say focus on your breath or pick one point of focus is because So that's a great example of of how to do this is, all right, if I tell you, all right, focus on your breath, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. When your mind wanders, don't be mad. Acknowledge that your mind wandered. Go back to your breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Mind wanders. Now you're thinking about football. Now you're thinking about girls. Now you're thinking about what you have for dinner and your brain goes on a loop and then, okay, back to the breath. And you do that and you do it over and over and over and over. And this is what's really cool is the more you do it, the more you're training your brain to snap back to center, to focus. That's all you're doing. It may feel like you're not doing a lot, but it's focus. Okay, focus. Okay, focus. Ah, focus. And you become really good at, one, identifying when you're not focused, and two, being able to snap back into it. And so you put these reps in and eventually you start to notice a big difference. Like for me, I notice now throughout the day, I'm really aware of when I'm not focused and I have a tool instantly to recenter myself and keep going because life's going to toss us shit, right? We're going to be afraid. We're going to screw up. There's going to be things that make us anxious, um, sad, whatever. But if we're going about our day and we have to be at our best, it's a tool for instantly saying, okay, I feel angry or I, my mind wandered or this happened. Boom. How do I just come back to center? And so the breath meditation is the first one. And that really is about mind control. And you could pick something else to focus on too. I mean, really, again, it's anything, anything where you're directing a very conscious effort into focusing on one thing and acknowledging when you go away and going back, acknowledging when you go away and going back. And so you can do this for, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, you know, really start to build up for as long as you want to. The longest I've done is an hour. Um, but I built up to that. I started with three minutes and then five minutes. Now, usually I just do about 10 minutes because it just, it's a convenient amount of time. Everybody has 10 minutes in a day. So that's the first one. If you're thinking like you're here because you want to learn to control your mind more, that would be a good place to start. The second one is sort of related, but a little bit different. And it's cultivating really self-awareness under, oh, phone alarms going off. Stop. Cultivating self-awareness and really becoming aware of everything that's actually happening in your life. And it's, you know, you can use words like closer to the truth or being able to view your life more objectively. But this is where mindfulness comes in. And mindfulness is also very tied into mind control. You know, there's, all, there's these are very overlapping. But I got a mindfulness teacher in 2020 during COVID quarantine. And It was really, really, really cool. She taught me so much. But really what I learned most is that 
Mindfulness is simply being able to acknowledge and be aware of what's actually happening. And then beyond that, being able to sit in it. So there's three parts you focus on. Your, what you hear, and this is external noise and internal noise, so thoughts. What you feel, and this is also external and internal, which is like, you know, you could feel a pain in your knee, but you can also feel anger and, you know, sadness and anxiety and emotions. And then finally, what you see. And so with your eyes open, what do you see? And with your eyes closed, what are the visual, visual, you know, sensories that pop up for you? And a lot of people are different. Some people really like are vis- like vis- more visual. Some people are more thinkers. Um, so for me, a lot of it was the feel and the hear. So what it, my internal dialogue I'm having with myself and as well as like the physical, you know, effects of anxiety, the tightness and stuff. And so what mindfulness is, is it's really detaching yourself from basically what's going on um, as your senses and viewing it as a separate thing. I've actually heard some people like give names to this. Like I interviewed a guy on my podcast and he called his brain baby Jack Jack. <laughs> so he kind of created a, like from the Incredibles, if you've seen it before, he created this kind of, you know, character for his brain. So he could almost like talk to it. But basically what you want to do with a mindfulness practice is just, again, divert your attention to an area. And so for me, a lot of times it was, it was my thoughts or it was what I was feeling. Um, and so when it comes to thoughts, again, I say, okay, I'm sitting there and I'm directing all my focus towards what am I thinking? What is really going on in my brain? And so you sit there and you kind of let thoughts come and go. You don't really try to do anything with them, but you're just becoming very aware of, okay, what is going on in my mind and, and what am I thinking? And, and, you know, really becoming, again, just very aware because, again, a lot of our human tendencies, we have the same thoughts over and over and over and over again. And so if we can identify the thoughts that are holding us back and become aware of them, eventually we can move on to a place of cultivation where we create new thoughts um, and new empowering beliefs, which we'll get to later. But the goal of this is really just becoming aware of what's going on in yourself. And again, detaching yourself from it, not letting it affect you. Oh, I feel angry. Oh, I feel anxiety. Oh, I feel sadness. And it's something that you don't have to empower. I am an anxious person. I am an angry person. No, we don't identify as our emotions. Human beings are supposed to have emotions. And I think that in this modern world, we kind of become detached because emotions served a purpose. We lived in the wild. We were fearful because maybe it was an animal that was going to kill us. We were, you know, all of our emotions were survival skills. Now in this modern world, it's a little bit more confusing. And so, it's really just trying to become more in tune with being aware of our human emotions, our human tendencies. And so if you've ever taken a yoga class, you know, a great example of mindfulness is like doing a body scan. You know, where, where do you hurt? What's tight? Uh, do you notice that your shoulders, like as you're listening to this right now, ask yourself, is my jaw clenched? Are my shoulders back and relaxed? Am I sitting up straight? You know, what parts of you are tight? 
How have you been breathing? Have you been holding your breath in? You know, like just becoming very aware of how you are, you know, sitting and what you're feeling. And and so mindfulness is a way to become very connected with this self-awareness and the truth and really start to learn more about yourself. And it can be tough. Like, again, you have to sit with your thoughts. Not a thing a lot of people want to do. But when I did this, I started to realize, wow, a lot of the problems I'm having are because I didn't want to face thoughts I had, you know, like my forever evolving need for acceptance and how I compare myself to other people and how I give so much love to others, but it's hard for me to give love to myself. You start to uncover some pretty deep shit, but this is the root of personal transformation, of personal growth, of becoming the human being that you want to be in this world. And so mindfulness practices really allows you to discover what it is about you that you maybe want to change. What is the pain in your life coming from? What is the joy in your life coming from? It's all sides of the spectrum. It's happy. It's sad. It's everything. You're just discovering more about what makes you tick as a human being. And once you know where you are, then you can know where you want to go. Which brings me to point number three, which is how do we create the brain that we want? How do we cultivate the thoughts and the emotions that we really want in our life? Rewire our brain. And so here is two things. I call this empowering beliefs and I call this gratitude. So our brains actually are wired to be negative. And it makes sense, once again, survival. If we were always focused on the joyful, cheery things when we were out in the wild as, you know, living more like animals, we would be dead. Our brains had to be very in touch with what could go wrong. What could possibly go wrong here because it was a life or death situation. Now, that's not so relevant. We don't have to be so in touch with the negative because oftentimes the worst possible scenario is not that bad of a scenario. And so this is how I fell in love with gratitude because I realized the science behind gratitude is that your brain is literally starting to form new neural associations that are positive. The more you sit there and think about things that you're grateful for, your brain is starting to say, okay, positive things are important. Positive things are important. Positive things are important. And eventually you start to override the negative bias that your brain has and you suddenly become more joyful. And there's also this thing in our brain. This is the most powerful piece of science that I ever learned. So pay attention. It's called the reticular activating system. Now, there's a part of our brain that basically, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I'm saying it again because it's literally the most powerful piece of science I learned. It controls what we pay attention to because there's so much stimulus going on around us all the time. So 99.99% of things that happen, our brain deems unimportant and our brain pays attention to basically 0.01% of the things that happen around us. And so how do we decide or how can we control what that 0.01% is? A great example of this is a car. So I got my CRV uh, 2011 last year, and I was like, cool, CRV, awesome. 
This is cool. Like I haven't seen many of these. And then I go for, you know, a drive and I realize that it's the most basic, you know, car in America. Everybody has a CRV. And I'm like, how did I not know that CRVs existed before this? They're literally everywhere. There's thousands of them. Well, my reticular activating system deemed that CRVs are now a part of our life. Therefore, CRVs are now important. Therefore, when we see a CRV, we're going to notice it. Huh. That's interesting. So if I bring something into my life and I proclaim it as important, then my brain's going to start seeing those things more often. Okay, cool. So let's take gratitude, for example. If I deem it important to see the good and to be grateful for what I have, and I start practicing that every single day, as I go out into the world, I'm going to start to notice all the amazing things that I am grateful for. Oh, there's my friend who called me. Amazing plate of food. Oh my gosh, this cup of coffee is amazing. Oh my gosh, I woke up this morning. Oh my gosh, I have a home under my head. Oh my gosh, I have new opportunity at work. Oh my gosh. And you just start to be overwhelmed with positive emotion because your brain starts to see it. It's truly amazing. And so how do you practice gratitude? Well, again, you have to really believe it. You can't just get a piece of paper, write down eh, family, friends, food, and be on your way. The best way that I've experienced gratitude is you have to cultivate the emotion. So I sit there, pick one thing. Maybe one morning it's my mom and dad. And I truly sit there for a couple minutes and I relive why I'm grateful for them. Maybe I relive experiences and memories and what they've done for me. And I do it to a point where I'm physically smiling. Like it is like I'm creating this emotion in me. I can feel the gratitude. That's how I practice gratitude. Because it's so powerful to be able to cultivate that emotion by yourself. And as your brain starts to realize all the things that you can be grateful for, you just start to go and go and go. And it's truly, truly, truly amazing. The other thing you can do with cultivation, right? So we talked about the brain having a negative bias, us becoming aware of what's going on in our life. And then how do we cultivate new thoughts and emotions? Well, once you become mindful of the things that are holding you back, you can start to create new empowering beliefs for yourself. And again, rewire those beliefs into your brain so it replaces the old one. And this brings me into what I call preparing for the storm to avoid the storm. And it's a concept called the WOOP method. Again, I have talked about this before. And this is another, I mean, all these pieces of science are just literally incredible. Um, so the WOOP method stands for Wish, Outcome, Obstacles, Plan. And it's a perfect balance between positivity and realism and replacing negative beliefs with empowering beliefs. And so basically, your wish is how you'd, if you do it for a day. So you're basically saying your wish is my, how I want this day to go. How do I want, like let's say you do it in the morning. How do I want this day to go? What's a, what's a visualization of success? Outcome. Basically looking at why do I want this? Like why do I want these outcomes? The deeper layer there, right? So first is what do you want? And then it's why do I want it? Well, why is this important to me? And then you go into obstacles. O stands for obstacles. What could possibly stand in my way? 
because a lot of the positive psychology, you know, pushback is, what if you just think and imagine about a positive day, but then something actually goes wrong that you don't expect, then what do you do? And so the obstacles part is trying to prepare for the storm and saying, okay, um, obstacles, um, what could possibly go wrong? And then P is a plan. When the obstacle comes up, what's my course of action? Now, the first time you do this, you might not know the obstacles. But over the course of time, what I realized is that a lot of obstacles in our life are one in our own head. And so when you realize that, when your day gets thrown off or when something happens, it's usually about how did I respond? Or this happened and then I got all like this and then I got angry and then my day was bad and then this happened. And so what I started to realize is that a lot of obstacles in our life don't have to do with anything going on around us. It's within us. Yeah, external events might cause them, but what can we control? Not the external, we can control the internal. So what beliefs do I have to change in order to not let it affect my day? And so again, like I mentioned, for me a lot of the times, like let's say I'm going through my day and boom, I see somebody who's killing it, happy on social media, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that, and instantly like I start to feel inferior. I start to feel like my life isn't where it's supposed to be. And I start to notice that as a pattern. Oh, okay, yeah, usually like when I think about what gets in my way, that's an obstacle. That's what gets in the way of my happiness. So what's a, a future plan I can put in place um, to to be able to combat that? Well, okay, let's think. Um, obstacle, okay. Whenever I see someone and I compare myself and I feel jealous and inferior, I'll stop. I'll take a couple deep breaths. And I'll remind myself that they're only showing me a portion of their life and they have their own problems and they're running their own race and I need to focus on me because I got to run my own race. Nobody's life is my life. I am in complete control of my life and what I want to do with it. So I recenter. I recenter and I focus on myself. And so what we can start to do over time is replace those limiting beliefs. Those beliefs of like, uh, I'm in fear of this person and that person. We just start believing, nope, I'm doing my own thing. Everybody else is doing their own thing. And I'm going to keep moving forward. And so this is a really powerful tool. And I learned it from um, this Dr. Joe Dispenza, one of the leading neuroscientists in the world. Again, this idea of once you practice the mindfulness and you identify the beliefs that are holding you back, you can create a plan to put new beliefs in your head. And it's really changed a lot for me, um, especially in that comparison thing, that comparison um, and the need for acceptance, realizing that I thought I needed to be accepted by everyone to be loved, but my empowering belief is I only need to accept myself to be loved, flipping the script. And so you start to identify these things that are holding you back and you start to be able to really liberate yourself and find freedom in it. And so this is getting pretty deep um, because this is a very deep topic. But to, to review what we've gone through so far, mind control. We've gone through self-awareness and mindfulness. We've gone through rewiring the brain through gratitude and also through the WOOP method. And so I'm just going to take a two-second pause. Jot down so far or take a mental note of it, do whatever you got to do of something that kind of piqued your interest because 
I want you to write these things down because I know there's kind of a lot to take in. So at the end of this episode, if you have questions, I want you to message me because I'm making this for you guys. Um, and so I don't know if I'm doing it right, given too many details, you know, it's, this is a big learning process for me to be able to learn how to kind of communicate this. And so if you have follow-up questions, I definitely want you to reach out so we can just talk about it. Um, cause I'm still learning how to kind of communicate all these things in a way that makes sense. So there's a couple more. Um, so if you got to like write a few things down, you can pause it and then you can restart. So getting back to it. Um, Another thing that I really wanted to do is be able to, again, become closer to the truth. And so a person who I deemed to be great to study was the Dalai Lama because the Dalai Lama is just a spiritual, you know, king, guru. And I want to know like, okay, what does this guy know? Like, how is he so happy? What does he do? And so I learned about the type of meditation that he does. He does it for like eight hours a day because he's insane. But it's called analytical meditation where he's physically analyzing his thoughts. And so again, this goes back to the wiring of the human brain. The brain feeds us a lot of BS. It really does. Like we freak out about so many things and get fearful and stressed when it's not really necessary to do, to do to feel those things. And so what analytical meditation is, it's actually not focusing on anything. It's simply sitting there, allowing thoughts to arise as they do. And when they come into your stream of consciousness, you ask yourself, what's going on here? You analyze the thought. And so really what you're doing is you're deciphering whether your brain is feeding you lies or truth. So maybe you sit there and you're like, oh, I'm so stressed for today because this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. And you just, you grab the thought. You say, okay, I'm afraid uh, to do this today, to present in front of my boss and team today. And so you hold on to that thought and you really say, okay, what's really going on here? Is this something I should be afraid of? Maybe you start to think about it. Well, okay, what's the worst possible outcome? Um... I guess it's not really a worst possible outcome. I guess, you know, maybe they won't like something, but, you know, probably not a big deal. It's just the team meeting. And, okay, well, let's see. Um, what else could go wrong? I guess I could, you know, maybe screw something up, but we probably will laugh about it. And, oh, yeah, okay, maybe there's nothing to be really afraid of here. Okay, cool. Maybe it's um, 2020, you know? The election, all this uncertainty. I mean, obviously the election is done now, but just so many people not knowing what to do or stress. There's all this stuff. And it's like, okay, let's sit there. Let's, 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 this thought comes into our brain. All right, well, what's actually going on here? Well, there's this and there's this. Uh, what can I control? Okay, well, you know what? I guess I'm just going to, because I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I guess, you know, for me, freaking out isn't really, you know, beneficial. It's not really beneficial for me to live in this state of fear. So I'm just going to keep, keep doing what I'm doing. And so basically what you're doing is you're just breaking down your thoughts. And sometimes there is a valid reason. Sometimes you have to act on something. But a lot of times what I learned is that our brain feeds us a bunch of garbage. It really does. And so if we sit there with those thoughts and learn to kind of break them down and realize that oftentimes there's no reason to be afraid. Oftentimes there's no reason to be stressed. Because they're not serving us. These emotions, 
they're always going to be there, but they don't always serve us. And so once we understand that they're not serving us, when they come up, they won't impact us as much. They're not going to get in our way. Once you face fear over and over and over again, it becomes less of a big deal because you've built your courage muscle. You know, once you acknowledge that stress is a part of everyday life, but doesn't need to be something that overtakes you or be a dramatic thing, you become detached from it. You know, so analytical meditation is really a way to be able to sit with all of these things and be able to kind of decipher for your own self what is true, what is not, and it kind of liberates you from your brain just controlling you and what you do. So that one is extremely powerful, um, and people have tried that one that I know and really enjoy it. Um, Okay, the last two. So this one I call embodying a hero, and a lot of you who know me know I love Kobe, so I always think about Mamba mentality, but really this is about I admire somebody else, and I want to take on either their mindset or their physical like something. I want to take in something about them. Oftentimes, it's it's mindset because we can't really change our our bodies necessarily unless we put in the work to do it. But so let's just say Kobe for an example. Oftentimes, I'll ask myself, what would Kobe do if he were me? And I'll sit there and I'll truly feel like I am Kobe Bryant. It sounds hilarious, but like I'll truly embody it. I'll truly say, like I'm talking to him. I was like, hey, what would you, what would you do if you were me? And I sit there and I try to embody the Mamba mentality, you know, the constant quest to be the best version of yourself, the work ethic, the drive, the, all these things. And I truly put myself in his shoes and try to feel what he feels. And you can do this for a lot of things. I have like a different list of people that I do this for, but maybe you admire somebody for their kindness. And so you really sit there and you pretend like you're them and you say, what would this person do? How kind would they be? Maybe you admire someone for the, for their sense of adventure, for their curiosity, for their drive, for their creativity, like all of it. And you channel the power of their brain and you say, okay, if this person were me, what would they do? How would they think outside the box? How would they get that job? How would they get that girl? How would they? And you actually sit there and channel it. And so for me, the person I do most often is Kobe because he inspires me. But I also have other people that I go to for my sense of adventure, for my relationships, for my even past versions of me. What would Timmy have done, you know, at my best? What would he he do? Timmy at his best. Think back to an example when I did something really well. And so this embody a hero can be yourself. can be embodying the best version of yourself and saying, what would I do um, at the best version of me? This is a very powerful tool because oftentimes we feel like we lack, lack confidence or lack courage or lack the ability to do the things that we want to do. And then we have to remind ourselves that, wait a second, human beings have done incredible things always. And I'm no different. And there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do anything I want to do. And so let me channel some of their energy. Let me take some of their confidence, take some of their courage, take some of their self-belief, take some of their wisdom with me until I can proclaim it as my own. Because that's the end goal, right? If you're a person who lacks confidence, pretend like you're the most confident person in the world. Think about how Michael Jordan would walk into a room. Think about how Will Smith would walk into a room. Whoever your hero is, and embody that, and then walk into the room like that. And eventually, you're going to start to build confidence. You're going to start to build courage. You're going to start to build the mindset you want, the strength you want, whatever it is. And so that one's a really fun one for me to do. And the last 
meditation type is manifestation. And this is powerful. This is the law of attraction. This is speaking your dreams into the universe, but also into your own head. And so manifesting dreams, really what I do is I sit down and, you know, Charlie really taught me this too on a deeper level, but everything in this world is connected, right? Quantum physics says that we all come from the same particles. Therefore, we all come from the same energy vibrations. Therefore, we are connected to everything that we want in our lives. We just don't have it yet. And so manifesting dreams is as simple as sitting down, closing your eyes. And oftentimes I have a piece of paper in front of me so I can write down things kind of ahead, but really asking yourself, what do I want? What do I want to manifest in my life? Is it more happiness? Is it more money? Is it better relationships? Is it a certain specific goal? What is it? Be specific. What, what is it that I really want? And starting to tune into that frequency of allowing yourself to ask the universe for more. There's a fine line of, you know, this. I think that my goal in life is always to be happy where I am, but not afraid to ask for more. And I think that duality is, is very healthy. But I think for a long time, I was also afraid to ask for more. I was afraid to say, oh, yeah, no, I do want this. Because what happens if you fail? What happens if you don't get it? It's kind of a vulnerable type thing. But what I realized is you're never going to get it if you don't ask for it. You're never going to get it if you don't go for it. It's either you never get it or at least you try. And so I started not being afraid to ask the universe for anything. I started to really just say, I, I want this, I want this, I want this. And being detached a bit from the outcome, but really saying I want it and then working towards getting it. And I'm only 23 years old, but damn, like I feel like I've lived many lifetimes at this point. And I'm on tour with Charlie and I'm building crazy things and I'm happy and all these things. And it really started with not being afraid to ask for more and believing in myself that I could have more. You know, self-belief is the cornerstone of all of this. And it separates people who do amazing things, people who don't. People who find a lot of happiness, people who don't, is the genuine belief in themselves. And that's it. Nobody's special. Nobody's different. Nobody has superpowers um, that are any better than other superpowers. It's just self-belief. And so manifestation time is a time to say, yes, let's close my eyes and let's think about how I want my life to be. What kind of world do I want to live in? And doing that over and over again, eventually you start to see it. And then you start to act on it. You start to feel it. You start to believe it. And you start to really attack those things that you want in your life. And for me, this process, I can do it now because I think I found a deep level of happiness. Like I've always believed in happiness before success. That's been my running mantra is that I learned how to make myself happy through the hard work. I learned about self-love. I learned about self-care. I learned about chasing my dreams, my passions, all this stuff, finding purpose. So I have happiness. And now success is just a layer on top of that happiness. It's a bonus. It's a cherry on top of the ice cream sundae that already is my life. And so, again, to each their own. But I would say if you're going to manifest, start with a deeper level. Start with the core. 
build the foundation, happiness, love, purpose, impact, health, wellness. Start with the core and then start to build on top of that. Then start to go for the external things that are going to just be that cherry on top, that big dream on top of your life. Because we've just seen, I've just, again, it's just, I've studied it. I've studied so many stories of people made at the top, but just weren't happy because they were focused on the external things. They felt like failures or they got to the top and they still weren't happy and they didn't know why. And there's a clear lesson for us that happiness first, success second. And the happier you are, the more successful you will be. And the opposite is not true. The more successful you are does not mean the happier that you will be. And so that's what I would recommend. That's my unsolicited advice. Um, And so, yeah, there it is. Mind control, rewiring the brain to be positive, preparing for the storm, getting closer to the truth, embodying a hero, manifesting your dreams, developing self-awareness. I mean, these things are worth millions of dollars. Like these things will completely transform your life and... I hope, I, did a good, I hope I did a good job explaining it, honestly, because I know it's a lot. And this is two years of wisdom that I just threw at you in 40 minutes. And so it is a lot to take in. But I'm going to try to simplify it for you a bit right now when I talk about my routine. And a part of it I got from Charlie a bit, the naming convention of it, and a part of it I got from myself. But I'm going to try to break it down for you very easily. This is what I do. In the morning... Charlie calls it, and now I call it, logging into Instagram, but a different type of Instagram. An Instagram in your brain, where instead of scrolling, looking at photos that are generated to you by a feed, you're creating your own feed. And so what I do in the morning now is I ask myself, what do I want out of this day? And so first I'll usually do some breathing. So do kind of some of the mind control stuff, get my my brain in the center in the present moment. I'll do some gratitude stuff. What am I thankful for? And I'll see pictures scrolling of my family and my friends and the opportunities I have and the things in my life. And then what does today look like? What is the what is the best version of today? And what's going to stand in my way of making that happen? And then going forward with my day. And so logging into the Instagram allows me to create this feed for how I want the day to go. It creates this energy. My goal in the morning is creating the energy, positivity, gratitude, rooted in thankfulness, rooted in just I'm glad to be alive, rooted in present moment, being focused, being being in the moment, just, just doing all that and creating the energy that I want for the rest of my day. So logging into Instagram is what I do in the morning. It's a mixture of breathing, gratitude, and visualization of what does today look like at its best. During the day, it's micro stuff. It's a lot of my plans. When I say like create a plan for what could go wrong, my plan is usually the same. It's something goes wrong in the day. Notice it, the mindfulness piece. Notice it. Take five to 10 deep breaths. Okay, reset. And then, all right, what is the next right move? That's it. That is, that is all it is. What is the next right move? Okay, you're out in your day. Boom, stressed. Okay, five deep breaths. Okay, what's the next right move? Um, You're out in the town. You see a cute girl. You want to say hi. You get nervous. Five deep breaths. Go say hi to her. 
you know, all these things. I found that five deep breaths is my plan. That's my buffer. That recenters me. And then I say, what's the next right move? And I go forward and I do that. So throughout the day, that's how I reset really quickly. And then at nighttime, this is one of my new favorites because I think that to wake up with a clear conscious, you have to go to bed with a clear conscious. And so I, at nighttime, now call it checking my emails. And what I learned from Dr. Joe Dispenza is that 95% of our thoughts throughout our days are the same. And it's basically we have an inbox in our brain of emails just filling up, filling up, filling up. And we don't revisit the day. And so at night, when I'm quote-unquote checking the emails in my brain, I'm revisiting what happened. What did I think? What held me back? What was good? And I'm just taking mental notes. I'm constantly reflecting on, okay, yeah, I got angry there. All right, I, don't, I, don't, I shouldn't get angry there. Oh, I yelled at him. That probably wasn't fair. Oh, that was really good. Let's, I like, really liked that. Like, we should do more of that. Oh, yeah, and that person was really cool. We should. And you're just sort of taking some time to lay and get all the thoughts of your brain out Check all the emails and also star the ones that are important. Say, this is important. I want to keep doing this. I want to stop doing this. And again, over the course of time, as you do this, you just start to become very aware of what is good for you and what isn't good for you in your life. And so that's my practice. Morning, logging into Instagram. At nighttime, we're checking the emails. And during the day, we're simply resetting. Five breaths. What's the next course of action that you love to do or that would be good for you? So that's it. That is the full rundown. That's what I do right now. Those are all the things that I've tried. There's actually more, I think, but I've tried too many and um, to share all of them might even be a two hour episode. So I know this was a lot and I thought about just giving you one thing, but it would have been biased to my experiences and my existence. Like I want to empower you to make the choice for yourself. What is best for you? And so Now, what I'm thinking to close this, really, I want everyone who listened to this to send me a DM. Like, seriously, I want to know who listened to this. So on Instagram, at Timmy the Dreamer, with a period in between, Timmy, period, the, period, Dreamer. I want a DM from you guys. And I want to know kind of like why you came here uh, to this episode. Um what you got out of it and any questions you have, you know, I I really want to answer questions because again, I threw a lot at you and there's a lot of things here. Maybe you don't even know where you want to start. Um, but I really just, you know, I've tried all this stuff and so I can speak on it and I know mindfulness coaches and resources. And so if you want to dive into this or you want to learn more, or you want to set up a practice for yourself, you know, really, I just, I just want to, to talk to you. So Even if you just want to share your takeaways, please, please, please DM me at timmy.the.dreamer on Instagram. And I would really, really, really love to hear from you. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this. This is really a huge part of my life. I think controlling the mind and cultivating the mind and forming a relationship with your brain is one of the best choices you can make as a human being because it's a cheat code. It's a supercomputer. It's a way to level up and to experience life on a level that you maybe never have before. And it's helped me through a lot of my dark moments as well. So there's a lot of pros um, and positives and a lot of being able to be in touch with the negative and to really just sit with the negative at times and become aware of it and ask yourself what's really going on here. 
So that's all of it, guys and girls and dreamers and friends and beautiful human beings. I really love you all. I feel a deep connection to humans. And as I'm sitting here staring at a computer talking on a microphone by myself, I am visualizing all of you listening to this and your beautiful faces and your beautiful stories. And I just really want the best for you. And so thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want, my next episode is the last episode of season one. It is a full recap of the things I've learned in my first year of podcasting and the crazy, crazy, crazy stories that I've had in 2020 that we've all had. And so it would mean a lot to me if you tuned into that one as well. And, uh, you could hear more about me, what I've learned and, and what I really hope to share with, with the audience through my own struggles and my own successes. So Thank you. Keep dreaming. Go out there and make your dreams a reality. This is your boy, Timmy the Dreamer, signing off. I will see y'all next time. Peace and love.